need connection, accountability, support as you explore the next level version of you, give yourself a real gift this year, the gift of time. The Warrior Women Mastermind is starting again in January, a curated group of six amazing women in a safe, collaborative setting. Think you don't have enough time? The money? Wrong. Ask yourself if you're worth three hours a month and $25 a day. The biggest discovery some of the women who sign up for my mastermind figure out is they have so much in common with other women and that they have traded their worth for a to-do list. Set up your interview call with me by going to lizswatek.com. That's L-I-Z-S-V-A-T-E-K.com. Space is limited and will sell out fast. Don't miss this opportunity to put yourself first. Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hello, warriors. You know that term, superwoman? Do you like it? Own it? Loathe it? For me, it used to be such a badge of honor. Not anymore. The resentment, the lost and lonely feeling I was having was coming from putting everyone and everything else first. I quit that cold turkey when I turned 49, but once in a while, I feel myself being pulled by all the things I think I quote unquote should be doing. I think women are waking up to the fact that being a superwoman means being exhausted and burnt out. That isn't a badge of honor. It's more like a scarlet letter, a mark on yourself that keeps everyone piling stuff on top of you because they just assume you're handling it well. My guest today is a former superwoman and her incredibly vulnerable story should be a wake-up call for you. She's encouraging us to drop the superwoman moniker and choose happiness first. Whatever makes you happy has to become top priority. Pushing through, wearing yourself out, that's so 2019. Time to get off the hamster wheel and into the flow of happiness. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget to go to lizswadek.com and connect with me. I want to hear from you. Okay, let's get into it. But first, Do you have money trauma? Are you blocking your ability to make money? We all have money trauma from the way we were raised, which brought financial scarcity into our adulthood. Is it safe to make a lot of money? Yes, it is. Come learn about money trauma and how to play with your money to create more ease, flow, and abundance. This is a great Healing Your Money Trauma Masterclass on September 27th at 4 p.m. PST. When you register, the Zoom link will be provided to you. Join me and guest Diana Greshuk, who is a trauma-informed financial literacy coach, as we dive into healing your money trauma. Link in the bio. 
Okay, everybody. Today on the show, Dr. Taryn McCarthy. She knows I love to say she's doc- she says, call me Taryn. I'm like, you're a doctor for God's sakes. I am calling you Dr. Taryn forever. So Dr. <laughs> Taryn is a happiness and prosperity mindset coach and the host of the Business of Happiness podcast. She's <laughs> on a mission to help driven entrepreneurs in medicine and dentistry redefine success and to realize their inner fulfillment by guiding high achieving ambitious men and women in healthcare to rediscover happiness in the pursuit of their dreams. She empowers them with the tools to better support their patients, their teams, and themselves. As an orthodontist and business owner herself, she landed in the depths of depression and anxiety when after decades of pushing herself to find success in the hopes of quote unquote, one day finding happiness, she learned that happiness precedes success, ding, 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 and not the other way around. As a motivational speaker and happiness and prosperity coach, she guides others to become the happiest healers they know. Welcome to the show, Dr. Taryn. (laughs) I am honored to be here. Thank you. Well, I am honored to have you. I'm turning your volume up to make sure you I can hear you perfectly. Um, well, we met at an event. I, I feel like I start every show, uh, every show. We met at a Tracy Litt event. I, I, I the people I may meet through Tracy Litt, may they be enshrined in the gold and, and oh bronze, my gosh. bronzed from head to toe. May they be just the most incredible women, isn't the it? Most, it's so amazing. The yeah. most incredible mm-hmm. women. So mm-hmm. we met her, our our mentor, Tracy Litt. And we were sat next to each other, which, you know, you have to, this is the other thing too. When the, she has these events, she makes you change tables because you get attached to a person or a group and she makes you move. She makes you move. And so we got sat next to each other. Or we sat next to each other rather. And our lives have been interconnected ever since. I would love to know more about you though, Dr. Taryn, because I don't know all the things. Um, what was your childhood like? Is there anything that would point to the woman you are now? Oh, you ask such beautiful questions, such beautiful questions. You know, it's such a great question because where we come from is such an important thing to know. And of course it shaped who I am today. She was a beautiful little girl. Oh, I get so excited thinking about her, but I was born in South Africa. And so that was a whole thing. I feel like I've lived 50 lives. I'm sure. Uh, as do we all though, right? Every chapter in our lives takes on such beautiful definition. But you know, what was most poignant about that was the immigration from Africa to America in the 80s, because we didn't have internet. We didn't have, you, the only thing I knew about America was Knight Rider and Dallas. Do you remember that? But Should those I, were the best of America. So I mean, if that's all you knew, I think it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Hasselhoff himself. I mean, I literally thought when we got off the plane, David Hasselhoff would be there and some R2-D2 looking droids to tell us where to go and how we found our homes. Yeah, that's what I, I literally thought. And, you know, in my middle school classroom, kids literally asked me if my mom had a bone through her nose. I mean, that's how <laughs> we didn't know anything about each other's cultures. We forget how much the internet has given us since the 80s. It's so true. It's connected us more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what really shaped me in good ways and bad was this eternal sense of not fitting in. Mm. I always felt like I was missing something. 
I didn't quite fit in. And, you know, middle school, no one fits in, but I didn't know this. I just felt like the strange African whose skin wasn't black. So I didn't fit that mold. You know, that wasn't the box that they wanted to put me in. And I think that that was an interesting journey for me throughout my whole life was always trying to fit myself in a box and I never quite fit. Hmm. Interesting, right? Yeah, because as that? we get older, well, hopefully, as we get older, we decide that there is no box for us and that being out of the box is so much more fun because trying to shove yourself in that box is not fun and no. is full of all the shoulds. Should. Oh, you should. You should go to that college. You should get that job. You should marry that guy. He's great. So that's what that box looks like. Absolutely. And that has been the journey of my adult life is realizing there is no box and the freedom that that allows us is, is really breathtaking. It's really amazing. But, you know, I think I learned a lot of other things along the way. I learned a lot about fear. I learned a lot about family and I learned a lot about um, what happens when we don't see people for who they are. We see their skin color. We see their gender. We see their title before we see the human behind it mm. and what that what happens when we allow that to happen. And I think that really shaped me. That really showed me a lot of judgments that we tend to make. And I say we, because we all end up doing it. And it's this, this pursuit of undoing the learning of the judging (laughs) that allows us the freedom. Yeah. And you and I have learned that all judgment is self-judgment. All judgment. Because if you're over there judging, it's nine times out of 10, we are over there judging something that we are judging in ourselves or some, some mirror is being held up and we're all triggered over here. Judging, judging, right? Exactly. So that's, that's really, that's truly amazing. Um, yeah. You said you had an identity as a super woman, super woman, Dr. Taryn, mm-hmm. until one day you woke up not recognizing the woman you had become. Now, I, I was so happy when I saw this in my questionnaire I sent to you and you answered this because this is something that we've kind of danced around on this podcast, but I really want to go there with you. You woke up and realized you are not you are not superwoman number one, and you didn't even recognize yourself. So tell me about that time. Well, see, I think I have a problem with this in our cultures that we expect women to be superwomen, and we expect ourselves to be. It's a badge it's, of, badge of honor. Oh my gosh! And it, it's almost like what we strive to be superwoman. I'm a, I'm a superwoman, you know, and and we. The problem with that is that it's not achievable. There's no such thing because there, that goalpost keeps getting kicked down the line, right? We never actually achieve that superwoman status and we never actually feel good in the process anyway. We think we can handle everything and it, it's, a, it's toxic because you, you do handle everything. <laughs> so many of us are- likes it. And everyone loves it. And we're so capable. Women are so capable of so many things. So you get a little bit of a high. I can do this and I can do that. I can do this and I can handle that. And it's easier for me to just do it. So let me just do it. And I'm going to do it better anyway. So let me just take it over and just handle it myself. And that superwoman moniker robs us of being able to ask for help, 
robs us of being able to get still and listen to ourselves, robs us of seeing ourselves for who we are and what we really want and need and desire because we start fulfilling that for everyone around us. And so, yeah, I was a superwoman. I was doing it all, but I lost me in the process. And, you know, I'll tell you what happened. It's a very vulnerable story. I had achieved all my dreams. I had the fancy house, the fancy car, the fancy kids, the fancy dogs <laughs> that matched each other. The, you know, the, the, I had the doctor, I had the title, the fancy title. I had the fancy husband. I had everything. I worked so hard for it. I did it all myself. Nothing was given to me. And I was so proud of that. And I was super woman, super womaning left and right. And the only way I could escape was or that I found at the time was by doing things in excess. So I would run marathons and then, you know, train for a hundred miler and then do triathlons. And then I'd drink to escape, not just drink a little bit. I drink a lot. You know, anything I did was all or nothing. And I had this moment of sobriety when, and I say that because I think I was living a lot of my life not being sober and drinking every night, but really doing very well. Superwoman can do anything. I could, I was the queen of the gym. At five, oh my God. 5.30 AM. I could do, you know, anything at the gym that you asked me to burpees. No problem on two martinis the night before. No problem. I could burn that off at the gym at 5.30 in the morning and then be there ready for patients at 8 AM. And I remember one night squatting over my kitchen, fancy kitchen trash can to mm. pee. And I had this moment of, oh my God, what am I doing? And it was just a Thursday night, not a crazy drinking night, but just one of those, oh my God, what have I been doing? And I was so mortified. My handsome husband lying on the couch over there, I was like, what am I doing? I ran to the bathroom and it was that moment, Liz, when I did not recognize that woman looking at me mm. in the mirror. I just, I didn't know who she was. I, I had done everything, achieved everything. I had everything I had set out to achieve and I'd lost me in the process. And it was in that moment I realized that the superwoman moniker was toxic because I was actually doing it all. I really was. Yeah, and you were damn good at it. Like you said. Very good at it. Yeah. You yeah. know what? I think, first of all, who doesn't have this story? It may be a little different. Who doesn't that, pee in their kitchen trash can? Trash can. <laughs> but my point in telling you that is not to at all minimize it, but to say that I, of course, I've uh, every person I know, every woman I know is over there trying to do burpees after two martinis and doing crazy things and just, you know, really taking it too far on so many extremes, whether it's diet or exercise or drinking too mm. much or going out every night. I got a lot of friends who go out, like mm. they're going out now more than ever. More than ever, we're in our 50s and they are just like partying. Mm. And and I see that, you know, I see that. And I, it's not coming, you know, from any type of real joy or a good place. I know, I know that it's not. And so, first of all, I'm so thank you for sharing that story because I think it is so prevalent. 
I, in, in with women. And second of all, I want to point out that what I also want to kind of bring a light to is that these people in our families will let us do it. No one's going to stop the superwoman who is literally killing herself right. to do everything except that woman. Because everybody else is like, she seems fine. I love it. She just made dinner again. She's making all this money. She looks great working out. We're having sex, whatever it is. They will let us, these husbands and children will let us burn ourselves down. You have to have the awareness. So first of all, bravo that you, Mm. because a lot of women would have done the trash can, Dr. Taryn. And you know what they would have done? Moving on. I'll just push that down. Push that to the frigging side. Moving on. Yeah. And you know what? To be fair, I did that too, you know, for a very, very long time. And I think that that's, that is a commonality is that we then, you know, you hear like, oh, what is that? Uh, sippy cups are for, Mar- for Martine, Chardonnay or something, you know, like all these little things. We, we don't even realize how we're supporting each other as women in that way, you know, oh, and, of I, course. and, and no Why judgment beauty. on, yeah, absolutely. And oh. no judgment you know, on, on alcohol, I, I really, I don't, I don't lay any judgment on anybody who drinks. Um, but I will say there's a lot of support to just turn a blind eye to what's happening in your life, to just keep pushing through, you know, this idea of resilience of, you know, just keep going, keep going, keep going. And, that superwoman moniker is that, you know, to just kind of keep pushing through and we give each other a lot of encouragement to just Absolutely. keep pushing through. Well, because you just brought that up, now I'm going to have to bring up that my favorite, your your favorite podcast episode oh, of yes. mine yes. is the Resilience is Bullshit podcast. Yes. So let's go into that a little bit because I, I have to tell you, when I put that out, I I, I got some emails. <laughs> I got some texts um, because the people, women have latched onto that word as like the superwoman, a badge of honor, right? I strong arm pushed through, get through, keep going, no matter what, no matter what. Yep. And no matter, no what. matter what looks, could be literally devastating to your health and your your mental health and your physical health. So let's talk about resilience a little bit. What is it and what is it not? Let's redefine it for a minute. Exactly. I mean, I don't believe in burning yourself to the ground and getting back up again over and over and over again. And that's what we think of when we think of resilience. We think of destruction and jump back up, destruction and jump back up. And for me, that just sounds like destruction, you know? And I think that what if we were to redefine resilience, I would say for me, resilience is learning and getting to know myself, learning the signs ahead of time before I burn myself down, you know, before I get to that point of no return, before I have to pick myself up off the ground. And is it going to happen? Yes. Of course, there are going to be times in our lives where we don't see it coming. But resilience to me is being able to be quiet enough on a daily basis to be listening to my body. We do have one. We forget that. And and believe me, I lost, I forgot about my body for decades. 
Yep. Recovering neck upper. I understand. Oh my gosh. You know, and so many very high achieving women are this way. I'll say to some of my clients, I'll say, you know, that feeling you get at the end of the day where you haven't peed all day and you haven't needed to pee all day. And then you realize you're going to burst because you didn't pay attention to your bladder all day. And every woman I talk to knows what I'm talking about because we literally ignore our bodies all day and just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And you don't even realize this, this one thing that's so obvious to ourselves too, is the need to urinate. And yet we ignore those signals from, and that's such a big one, you know, not to mention that crook in your neck as a dentist, that's been bothering you for seven years that you haven't addressed until it's too far, you know? And I think that's what the problem I have with this term being resilient. You know, every time you get, you fall down, pick yourself back up, but what brought you down? Right. And can you take a pause? Yeah. How do you take a pause and say, what's happening? Like get the lay of the land. Where am I right now? What and ask yourself, what do I need? I think it's that whole yes. like you don't have to heal. You just take the hit and you pop up and keep running. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't take the hit and pop up and keep running. You take the hit and you say, Oh my God, like I just got hit. Like you, you, you acknowledge it and you say, Oh my gosh, what's happening with me? And you give yourself the grace and space to heal in that moment. Like what in the world? And then step off that highway where you keep getting hit. Why would you keep, why would you keep running down that same highway? If you keep getting hit, step off the highway, lady, step off the highway. Yeah. Yeah. So true. We would never. I mean, it's like playing Frogger. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually you are going to, I mean, that's, I feel like what women do all day, every day, you know, I've, and when I coach women and I talk to them and I'll say, okay, well, you know, there were I've, so many people are working from home. I'll say, oh, did you go outside? No, I didn't go outside today. Mm. You didn't go outside. No. Why not? Well, I just had so many things to do and da, 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 da. It's all these little ways we deprive ourselves and we just keep going and resilience our way th- through things and superwoman our way through things to the point where we get, like you're saying, to a point where you can't give one more thing yeah. and there's no amount of martinis and marathons that could undo that stuff. No, there's not. There's not. And what ends up happening is you lose yourself along the way. Yeah. And I think that we sometimes blame it on things like empty nest syndrome, or, you know, we say like, I've lost myself, or I don't know what to do with myself or retirement, but really we're in control of that all along the way. It's not these forces outside of us. It's not because our children left home that we suddenly don't know who we are. We have that responsibility and that ownership of ourselves all along the way, yeah. but giving ourselves permission to take that ownership of our own happiness. That's the most important part. It is, it's a permissive thing, giving ourselves the permission to take happiness today and not keep putting it off and pushing through. Yeah. Yes. And your podcast is called the business of happiness. So is that what made you start it? Or were you on that kind of journey yourself where you were like, what? How do I get, how do I get this elusive, (laughs) elusive thing to stick around? Yes, that's exactly, you know, it actually had been brewing in me for years. And then when COVID hit um, and, and the lockdown happened, we, of course, everybody had to shut down and 
all of my dental and medical colleagues shut their practices down. And yes, we were all in fear because of our businesses, but every one of us also had to furlough our teams. And by furlough, I mean fire. It was a fancy term we learned during COVID, but literally fire the 16 women who I had entrusted my patients to for decades. These women who I had asked to support and be my brand ambassadors and my supporters and sing my praise, I had to literally fire them overnight. And more than that, these incredible men and women and children who were entrusted to my care with sharp, pokey things in their mouths, as you said. You're, <laughs> no small thing. To, you you know, want to go to a dentist. Yeah. Yes. You know all about it right now. Oh, uh, God, but, yes. yes. Coco <laughs> just know, got braces yesterday. I, I was know. <laughs> yes. It's no small thing. But suddenly, you're. I couldn't see any of my patients to help them. So when I say my colleagues were in a state of fear, it's such an enormous understatement. I mean, financial fear, yes, but the layers were so deep. And what I was noticing is men and women really exhibiting what had been lingering for years and building and building for years, but COVID just gave them an opportunity to kind of put a spotlight on it, to put a microscope on what had been building. Yes. And the terror and the overwhelm and the depression and the anxiety and the spinning out of control. And in the medical and dental world, we lost a lot of really phenomenal superwomen, a lot of women who gave up the fight because they just couldn't anymore. Um, It was so tragic. It was so sad to see people just giving up completely. And and I mean, taking their lives. That is the extent they were pushed to. And I thought I was sitting with, you know, unable to see my patients. And I thought there's got to be a better way. These men and women, millionaires making difference in the world, literally putting smiles on children's faces every day, literally and completely bereft of happiness themselves. Mm. They have everything, everything. And we look at them and we say, you have everything. What do you have to complain about? But so unhappy and scared. And I just started interviewing people who were very successful and happy and saying, what, what is the secret sauce? What is it? What are you doing? How are you running such a great successful business and you're happy because for a while there, it looked like you couldn't have both. It was one or the 100%. other. You tear yourself to the ground in order to be successful, or you just don't have such a successful business and you're happy. I, I don't know. I don't know what, what there was supposed to be a balance between the two, but I was asking men and women, and that's how the business of happiness podcast started to come about and learning how we take care of ourselves and seek for happiness first is actually the secret ingredient of success. Yeah. Not the other way around. Yeah. Because then it's conditional, right? Like if we're waiting around for the car or the house, or we do get the car in the house, you got the car in the house and you were still not happy. So then it's like, well, if it's not that, then it's can't be, you know, I always joke, the call's coming from inside the house. (laughs) It can't be, it can't be the big thing on the outside that's giving you the happiness. It's got to be internal because even with the car in the house, you can be unhappy. Even if your kids get into the college of their dreams and you make all the money in the world, 
you can still be in misery, right? So there's it's it has to be an inside job if that's has the case. To be. And if you pin all of that, all the happiness, all your worth, right? If you're willing to negotiate your worth and say, oh, well, my worth is based on my, how much money I make or my right. job or how many people smi- I make smile today, right? What a slippery slope. What a slippery slope. Because what if something happens and you're, and then what are you going to do? Well, and it's miraculous to really see when you start with happiness, how beautifully success flows to you. When you sit and you really value and give yourself permission to reach for happiness for yourself and your own definition of happiness, your own algorithm for happiness, and without putting that responsibility on anyone else, it's Mm. not my patient's responsibility to make me happy. It's not my husband's responsibility to make me happy. Yeah. In fact, it's not even my children's responsibility to make me happy. Right. So if I take that attitude and realize, oh, wait a minute, this is my responsibility. It's crazy, Liz, but the literal dollars flow to you because you're taking care of yourself first. Yeah. Yeah. And the energy you're emitting is magnetic when you're doing that. So it's so so true. Mm -hmm. Um, When I asked you about your hero. Mm. You know, a lot of people say my daughter or my mother or, but I think you're saying your daughter for another reason. So I want to ask you about your, you said you're here on your life is your daughter, Cass. Tell me about her. Uh, I, I, I get so excited. I, I love this human. I, and we all, I have, I have three beautiful children. I love them all incredibly deeply. My daughter, Cass, is my hero because she is the bravest human I have ever met my entire life. She is extremely talented, extremely empathic, intuitive, all those things. She and I have jived since she was tiny. And um, I just think she's the coolest thing. She's so musical. Now I'm gloating about her. (laughs) She's so cool. She's so cool. And she was born a boy. And, you know, when she was, when she was little, my best friend, she's grown up and we've always been close. And uh, a year ago, she came out as being transgender. And she has been on this journey. And when she did, Liz, I knew nothing. I mean, it hit me out of nowhere. When so I you say you didn't have any kind of idea this was no coming clue. or oh, not wow. a clue, not even okay. an inkling. And and we are tight. I mean, she is my soulmate. I mean, literally, she and I are so tight. And I never knew. And I mean, we've had discussions about this since because I hate to hurt her feelings because she said to me, Mom, how could you not have known? And you know, but I literally <laughs> she's I, like, I put a sign in my room. No. I know. <laughs> I mean, but literally. Looking back now, do you see any signs or still no? I see, I do. I do. Interestingly, I see them in ways you wouldn't expect. Um, for example, my son and I are not as close. And I've always thought, like, what's come, what the hell, Leaf? You know, why can't you be like Cass and sh- share your feelings with me? Like, why don't we sit up late at night and talk about our emotions? And then I realized, oh, that's a very feminine trait. Hmm that Cass was exhibiting her whole life and Leaf's just a dude. 
who doesn't know how to do that and doesn't really want to do that. So in ways like that, I look back and I think, oh, of course, you were exhibiting these feminine traits all along. So in interesting ways, I have some clues looking back. But I say she's my hero because when she came out last year, she came out because four days after she told me was the homecoming dance. And I know. And she was determined to wear a dress to the homecoming dance. So I did not know. Nobody knew. I think three of her closest friends knew. So when she walked in, and so at the time she was 15, and so I drove her to the homecoming dance. She didn't have her license yet. And watching this incredible human walk into the homecoming dance in a dress. Wow. Or in in high school at 15 years old. In high school. Can you imagine the only transgender person in her whole school? A hundred percent. Well, that we know of. Oh, absolutely. But watching her take those steps into homecoming, I just thought if she can do something that courageous to stand in her truth, who am I not to stand in mine? Yeah. I, I, the, the courage and the conviction of knowing who you are is just so incredible to me. And that's why she's my hero because every day she does what I just think is the most courageous thing ever, which is just to stand in her truth of who she is, despite judgment, despite other people's opinions. I mean, can you imagine being that free? It, that's my dream to be that free, to be able to, and I work towards it every day, but that's why she's my hero because I can, I strive to be like her, to be able to just say, this is who I am. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. It doesn't matter who you think I should or shouldn't be, or what I look or don't look like, or whether I'm too masculine or too feminine. This is who I am. I love it. I love it. What was the reaction when she showed up in that dress? (laughs) You know, the greatest thing about this generation is that when they got home, so I have Cass and my son Leaf are only a year apart. So they both were at the dance. Oh, okay. So he got to also Monday morning quarterback it with you. It was awesome. Yeah. So I picked them up. I was like, like, oh my God, you have no idea what happened. Please tell me everything. How did it go? I want to hear all the things. And And the first thing they said to me was, oh my gosh, this kid named Alex made out with his girlfriend on the dance floor all night long and no one could take their eyes off of them and no one even saw Cass in a dress. <laughs> oh you know? my God, I love, I love it. And what a great lesson too as parents. You know, we put so much expectation and fear on our kids. You know, here I was stressing out that my daughter was going to get beaten, beat up in the, in the locker room or something, or there was going to be a big, scary event that would have happened. The kids didn't even, most of them didn't even notice. So they didn't care. They didn't react. It was way too much fun watching some other kid making out on the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> making out always wins. Oh, that, uh, yeah. That's, that's a lesson. Get off the highway. It's not Frogger and making out always wins. These are the things I'm learning today. <laughs> These are the things I'm learning today. I tell um, you. I love that so much. Well, she sounds amazing. And Thank I you. look forward to meeting her one day. This, she this is. girl, girl. 
She's um, incredible. I love how, as a prosperity coach, you say you guide people to be the happiest healers they know. So how do you do that with your clients? Like what what's what's involved in becoming the happiest healer you know? Well, you know, it's just, it's what you know too, Liz. We got to heal ourselves first. We got to take care of ourselves first. I think that's something no one ever taught me in medical or dental school. No one taught me how to heal myself, how to take care of my own trauma, how to take care of my own trauma responses. So here we are thinking everything's about us. You know, I had this great example a couple of weeks ago, this beautiful woman, she's in her forties. She, um, it's such a long story. I'll try to make it short. <laughs> long story made short. She had to have her front tooth removed. And we had worked up for months how this was going to go, how it was going to be there for her. I had a replacement for her. He, we helped her set up her appointments. We made sure she answered all her, we answered all her questions. And predictably on that day, she lost it. She was angry. She threw things in the office. Oh she wrote angry emails. She, everyone in the office was on edge. She was in a full-on trauma response. Yeah. She had her front tooth pulled. That's all that happened. And all she needed was just to be mad as a snake and get angry and get it out. Let it out. Be angry. I, there was nothing I could do. I just had to let her be angry and get it out. And yeah. no one ever taught me that. No one ever taught me that it's not about me. In the past, I would have thought, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? What did my team do wrong? Who can I blame on my team for not setting up the appointments? Maybe there's something her... else we didn't do right. Maybe there was one little thing we missed. Yeah. Maybe my superwoman tactics were not on point. How can I be better? How can I be stronger? How can yeah. I be more thorough? How yeah. can I? And learning how to take care of my own trauma responses, I now can see them in others. And just say, oh, babe, you just had your front tooth pulled out of your face and it's terrifying and you're in a full on trauma response and you just need to feel your feelings. And it has nothing to do with me. And then after we calm down, after you felt everything and I give you a hug, now I can help you. Let's see how I can help you. But that, knowing that, I can't tell you how monumental that is mm -hmm. as a as a doctor. Can you imagine being able to go into a doctor's office and have a full on meltdown. feel your feels meltdown and have them be okay to just sit and let you feel what you got to feel? Take a deep breath. Now take care of me. Yeah. How magical would that be? Yeah. And there's and there's definitely times where that's warranted. By the way, like I mean, I think as much as we prepare for all diagnoses or procedures, there's still, you know, a feeling that we can sometimes have where, you know, when we're in our late night hours, we're just pushing it away, pushing it away, pushing it away. And then by the time that she, she reached your office, it was like, what? you know, like, because she had like, obviously not done anything at home yeah, to prepare herself. Like maybe, because either, you know, think right. about it or feel it or anything. Right. And, and that's because we don't get taught those things either, you know, as human beings. However, as healers, what tends to happen is we take that onto ourselves and then it detracts from our ability to still take care of them. You know, how that could have looked is we get angry at the patient and say, well, then I can't treat you. You know, if this is not good enough for you, then there's the door, you know, or, or just 
maybe taking the blame out on someone on the team or, you know, it can go in so many ways because what then happens is it triggers a trauma response in us that fear of what did I do wrong or that insecurity, that judgment you were talking about, all judgment is self-judgment, hearing and feeling that self-judgment, oh my gosh, where's the blame on me? And then that trauma response in the practitioner doesn't allow them to be fully present for their patient. And I just see such an important distinction for us to be able to recognize our own body's trauma response in front of our patients, because dentists and doctors are humans too. They get activated too. And knowing when that happens is so important. So the way to find happiness is to recognize that healing that's needed in yourself. Amen, sister. Amen. (laughs) I love that. All right. Guess what, Dr. Taryn? It's the speed round. It's party time. Oh, here we go. Hold on to your headphone. What does it mean to you to be a warrior woman? Oh, a warrior woman is someone who is courageous enough to feel her feelings, to recognize the truth of who she is and be able to walk into homecoming dance with a dress on for the first time. A hundred percent. Yeah. What is a mantra or quote you live by? There's so many. It has to be one of one of Maya Angelou quotes because she's my favorite. There's one that she says, um, "Life is not uh, life is not measured by the number of breaths you take, but by the number of moments that take your breath away." Mm. And I love that because I think we forget that sometimes. Those moments that take your breath away are so much more valuable than all the number of breaths that came before them. You know, we count dollars, we count years, we count um, accolades, but it's those precious moments that take your breath away. That look that your husband gives you across the table or that, you know, the baby bird in a nest. We found these baby birds. Have you ever seen baby birds hatching out of their eggs for real in real life? It takes your breath away. You know, it's those moments that are so incredible that make life so rich. Oh, so true. I love uh, my Angela too. I've always loved her. And I love that. um, I forget what what it's called, what what the name of the poem is called, but she says, does my, does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? I love that. Dance like you've got diamonds at the meeting of your thighs. Dr. Taryn, yes to all the yeses. She was so amazing, wasn't she? She was amazing. She was amazing. Um, What makes you feel unstoppable? makes me feel unstoppable is when I get quiet and recognize who I really am. When I remember who I am, Mm -hmm. when I give myself permission to remember who I really am, when I remember that 12 year old little girl from South Africa who was just, man, she was incredible. She could do anything and she knew herself and she knew what she wanted. And when I, when I get back in touch with that little girl within me, that makes me feel unstoppable. Amen. I love that. What are you most proud of? It sounds so cheap. 
I'm most proud of my kids, but not because I own my kids, not because I take any um, ownership of their accomplishments or who they are. I'm most proud of the people we're becoming together. When I see my kids growing into these incredible people and I see myself learning and growing with them, that's what I'm most proud of. The, the people my children and I are coming, becoming, and my husband, the people we're becoming together. Yeah. That's amazing. I've never had that answer and it's a beautiful answer. Um, what keeps you going when you're feeling lost? Keeps me going when I'm feeling lost. I think it's that getting quiet. That's a big one for me. I've said that about 47 times. It's the, truth of all, it's the truth of all truths. And a lot of people don't do it. A lot of people yeah. are too afraid to sit quietly and ask yourself, you know, what do I need right now? Or how am I feeling? Or scan your body and say like, oh, gosh, I have tightness in my chest or whatever it is, right? It's so few people do that. So it's it's a good it's a good answer. It is. It's the thing that I go it's to. the answer. It's the answer. It's the thing I go to every single day. And it's the thing, the place I go when I'm scared, when I'm feeling lost, it's where I go. I think it's just become a habit pattern for me now. I just realize, oh, too much noise. I need to just quiet down the noise. And, you know, it's the, it's those moments when you see those beautiful moments that take your breath away or when you're usually when you're most quiet, you yeah. know, the sunset that you see or that twinkle in your daughter's eye or the patient who, you know, has transformed because now he's so confident about his smile. Those moments that are so precious are when you are shutting down all that noise that's coming in from the outside. I love it. Um, Liz, what are you most proud of? Um, I think waking up. <laughs> <laughs> waking up to so many things. Oh my gosh. Mm. To waking up uh, to what white supremacy is and how I am mm. racist and no white person can say they're not it just as a fact waking up to um, that I'm here to heal and help women and that mm. that's actually a talent and a gift. And I need to live into that and, um, and, and enjoy that, that I get to waking up to that. I get to have fun in my business, that it doesn't have to be stressful and it doesn't have to be bad. And, mm. um, and kind of like you're saying, waking up to who my kids are becoming and to who I'm becoming and my husband's becoming and letting everybody become that mm. I don't have to hijack their journey to make it safe for me, that mm. I can enjoy their, my journey and their journey and let things unfold. And I think, mm. um, letting, letting the unfolding happen is, is new for me. I, I think, you know, before I used to like, you know, could had the death grip on everything. And now that I'm letting everything unfold, you know, it's a whole different life. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, I love that. Thank you for that. asking me that. No one's ever asked me that before. I was so fascinated to know because I think you have so much you need, you should be proud of. So that was a beautiful, I love that answer. Thank you, Mama. Thank you for asking me. Um, what's exciting you the most right now? I'm so excited about this program I'm putting together for medical and dental professionals and healers, really uh, physical therapists, chiropractors, anybody's welcome, but I'm really excited about it. I'm really pumped about sharing the tools that we've been looking for. You know, I think doctors and dentists really 
you, you don't go, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't go into a field of service, such deep service without a passion for caring for others. And one of the moments of shame is when you realize you've lost your love of it, when you feel like it's hurting like you. You're you know, dreading someone, it. Yeah. You're dreading it. You know, so many men and women are dreaming of retirement before they, you know, before years, decades before they're even there because they just, it's draining them. And yeah. you know, in your bones when you're not giving as much as you wish you could, you know, and that hurts. There's a lot of shame around that. And so I'm so excited to be able to just give these tools to my colleagues so that they can love themselves enough to love others once again, you know, and to really live the dream that they've worked so hard to realize, you know, nobody becomes a doctor without really, really working hard for it. And to be able to re-gift them that opportunity to really love what they do and to love themselves in it and to be able to really care for their patients to the best of their ability. Yeah. Gets me so excited. I can't wait. Juicy. I love it. Well, thank you, Dr. Taryn, for coming on this podcast. Yeah. And thank you for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate that. that was yeah, that was awesome. We did a swap. We did. We and I caught you right off the heels of your fabulous trip, which was oh, awesome. Yes. yes, you got me right off the heels of my Italian renaissance. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. Renaissance. Did I ever tell you what a beautiful, I, so I got so many great responses from that episode, but my very favorite was my 69 year old mother who called me and said, oh my gosh, that was my favorite episode ever. And she's listened to everything. My mom's my biggest super fan. She's oh amazing. God, so grateful. Amazing. But that was her favorite one. I said, mom, taking a month vacation was your favorite episode. What was it? She said, it told me that I need to take care of myself. My 70, my 69 year old mother, who to this day works six days a week as a physical therapist. And I, she's not listened to me this entire time, <laughs> but you Liz Swatek got her to hear she needs to slow down and take care of herself. So thank you for that, my dear. I thank mean, you. I love that. First of all, you know, we can't tell our people anything. It always has to come from an outside source. So that's just what it is. Well, so you if spoke- I could be this catalyst to basically give her the same information you've been giving her for years. 69 years. That. She has not learned not to work herself to the Phone, but you did it. Thank you, Liz. <laughs> well, you can share this with what's her name? Her her name is Lynn. Well, Lynn, I know you're gonna listen to this because Taryn Taryn's gonna share this with you. Lynn, absolutely put yourself oh first. Go on a month-long break and you deserve it. Nobody deserves it deserves it more than you, Lynn. You've been working like a dog for years. So this is your <laughs> prescription and permission slip. You are now going to go on a nice vacation. There you go. There you mom. go. Love you, mom. Love you, mom. <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and spending time with me. You're a delight. That's, you're a delight in all the ways. And I love all the things you shared. I loved all the places we went. So thank you so much. Thank you for this beautiful opportunity. And thank you for everything you do. Really, you're doing amazing things. And I'm so grateful to you. I love you. And th- th- thank you for what you're doing to the for the medical community who obviously needs you so much. All right, everybody, thank you for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star written review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye. Bye.